December 5th, 2023. We're in Masechet Berachot on Daf Yod Amud Aleph in the wide lines. You need to count down 12 lines and it's just a few words onto the line. The Gemara begins, Rav Shimi Bar Ukba Ve'amrela Mor Ukba Havashachiyach Kameder Bishimon Ben Pazi. So the Gemara describes how one of these rabbis was often uh, present studying Torah with Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi. And he would study, he would learn um, the Agada, uh, the Midrashim, the interpretation and the traditions uh, of the rabbis in the world of Agada and Midrash Agada, uh, with, together with Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. The rabbi in turn questions. Uh, the one who's studying with the expert, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi in Agada, I have a question for you. Perhaps you could help me in interpreting Pesukim al Derech Agada. My dichtiv, what does it mean when the Pasuk says, Barechi nafshi et Adonai vechol keravai et shem kocho? Pasuk describes a soul, my soul, says David in Tehilim, uh, blesses God, and then furthermore, vechol keravai, all my innards. Furthermore, bless God, or, or bless the uh, the holy name of God. And the understanding initially is, his question is, what does it mean for innards, keravai, the parts inside of you, uh, to bless God? He'll, in a few moments, find out the question was somewhat different with regards to what he wanted an interpretation to. But that's the initial question. Amarle, the responses in turn, this is what it means that your innards, in some way or fashion, are praising God. Bo'ure. Pay attention to the fact that human beings are so utterly different than God. And by contrasting the two, you can appreciate the greatness um, in our uh, somewhat, in, or, or more than somewhat, very much um, finite capabilities. We can nonetheless appreciate the niflaot the greatness of God. How so? Midat basar vadam. If you think for a moment about human beings, their way is sar sura al They can draw a picture on a wall. You can't put into it a spirit or a soul. Any inner organs. That's just not possible. To the extent that, of course, the Gemara in Masechet Sanhedrin uh, describes on Zetaf uh, how some of the Emoraim crafted with Sefer Yesira. Uh, beings. One of them uh, crafted an animal, an egil. Uh, the other one crafted a golem. Uh, he couldn't bring a human being. He couldn't actually craft something that has an essence. And as a result, Rabbi Zera notices that Rava made this, and he knows this can't be a human being. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, in contrast, Enogin, Sar Sura Betoch Sura. Not only can he craft and then inject within it an essence, he uh, crafts inside of a craftsmanship, of course, craftsmanship, of course, a baby, inside the mother's womb. And he places within it a spirit and a soul. Again, that's the way, as a matter of fact, there in Masechet Sanhedrin, Marsha points us in that direction over here in this Gemara, that Rabbi Zera realizes it's not a normal human being, is because it wasn't speaking. And our, our ruach, our neshama, our nefesh haya, the Torah says, that human beings have, Unkelus translates as ruach memalela, it's our ability to speak. So it means human beings made by God, in contrast to any being that human beings can create, have this neshama, this ruach. 
That's a godlike feature. To be able to appreciate the greatness of God, oftentimes, if not always, we have to look in an analogous way in our world and understand how distant we are in any way, shape, or fashion from Him. I can do this just like Him. No, but look at how different it is qualitatively, quantitatively. It's altogether a different world. You're both craftsmen. Great. He is a perfect craftsman. You're anything but. God puts Ruach Neshama and all those in- innards into human beings. Um, as he as he makes us. And this is along the lines of what Hana meant in the Pasuk. It's in Tefilat Hana at the beginning of Sefer Shimuel Aleph. En Kadosh Kadonai ki en biltecha ve'en sur kelohenu. Focusing on those last few words, ve'en sur kelohenu. Now the simple interpretation is the word sur is uh, is chazek, is strength. Hasur tamim pa'olo, a rock, a stone. Uh, instead of reading in that fashion, and Maharsha suggests because you're kind of saying, God, there's no parallel in terms of that. Well, strength, I have, not much. You have strength. Um, okay, I could say, you know, not... Uh, it's hard to liken that in any way to God. Your strength is not even close. Mine is even further from the strength of God. She wouldn't speak like that. Perhaps she's instead talking about something that we might imagine that you and I are similar to God in, and that's what she's saying, but you're not at all. How so? Instead of reading a sur, mayen sur kelohenu, en sayar kelokenu. There's no craftsman, there's no artist like God. Many people are familiar with this from the Kiriyah on the Zohar, the night before baby boy's uh, milah. The Zohar has this uh, repeated several times, this pasuk and this derasha, in sayar kelokenu, envisioning. And, and there's a certain musar in this, not only about seeing the greatness of God, but also understanding in the perspective of the hachamim what it makes um, what it means about God as an essence that we mimic. Who is he at his core? He's a craftsman. He creates. And in turn, we as human beings need to be creators, creators of souls, not in the physical or literal sense, but we can change people, we can inspire people. Tanefesh asher of Avraham Avinu means that he converted, he made them, he converted, he brought them over to belief in God. He was a craftsman. The Hachamim envisioned rabbis or teachers of students as similar to craftsmen as well. You're crafting their mind to a certain extent. That's a mandate that we have in copying and mimicking the ways of God. Says the Gemara onward, but the Pasuk said as well, Ki en biltecha. Now that we're talking about Hana, let's be Doresh the whole Pasuk. She said, En kadosh kadonai, there's no holy and sanctified like God. Ki en biltecha. Now, Biltecha in Peshat probably means there's no one aside from him. But instead of reading in such a fashion, says the Gemara Mar Biuda Bar Menasya Altikreki in Biltecha, Ela en Levalotecha. Instead of reading it as there's no one like you, there's no one aside from you, read it as there's no one who can diminish like you. Levalot means to diminish, to rot, and to get old and tired. No one's like, what does that have to do with anything? Here's how it has something to do with the craftsmanship of God. You should know we're so different from God, not only with regards to the essence of what we create, but with regards to the enduring essence of ourselves. How so? In the following way. When you or I create something, certainly when we bring forth a child, if we're zoche to do so, oftentimes the natural, uh, uh, the, the natural course of events is that the child continues longer than the parent. The parent is a, a certain bilui. They get deteriorated. They get fatigued. They get old and tired. And the child is the one who continues that legacy. It's, of course, the opposite with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whereas the craft that was brought forth 
will become tired, old, and fatigued. God has that eternal energy and continued presence and essence. V'akadosh baruchu mevaleh ma'asav. Amaleh. The response of this rabbi, who was questioning, if you recall, that pasuk, that's not what I meant to ask about the kiravim, the kirbaim, the innards, how do they praise, which we interpreted. Ana, I rather meant, this is what I meant to say. Hane, if you count these, it says five times that the soul of David is praising God. What was David, so to speak, referring to? What was he hinting at when he five times had his soul blessing God? The response is, It's to parallel and to envision God and our neshama as similar. Now we'll have five similarities between our neshama, our essence from a spiritual side, and God. And before we even read them, there's a certain Musar in this as well. It's the Musar that we often talk about in the context of Selim Elohim. To understand a person as being a Helek Elokami Ma'al changes your perspective about others and certainly about yourself. When you're able to say, I'm not just talking to a person, but I'm talking to a force of God, your perspective, your, your mindset is altogether different. Beyond that, it also gives a certain meaning to those moments where you feel, and they're far and in between, I'm aware, you feel the presence of God in a real way. What are you feeling in those moments? How could you be feeling the presence of God? And the answer is because you have a neshama, and that is a portion in some way of God's essence. It's similar to God. So as a result, when you tap into a certain truth in life, when you're awed by some scene, when an event inspires you, when a song awakens within you some sort of spirit, that's the neshama. That's the neshama which is so similar to God because it is that peace of God in some respect, which is metaphysically within you. How so? Five similarities. Same God fills, not physically, but in presence, the entire world. So too, the neshama fills your entire body, not physically, but in essence. The same way God sees, but he's not seen. Your soul as well sees. What does it see? It perceives. That's what I was referring to earlier. You have this innate, this natural way. Uh, if you haven't experienced life in such a way, you have to open your eyes and become inspired to it. Just recently there was an article in one of the newspapers about how awe plays, A-W-E, plays a central role in our psychological and emotional development. If you're not awed, if you live your life with closed eyes, if you live this callous existence, and you're not looking and searching and experiencing life with open eyes and becoming awed, your flavor for, of life, your appreciation of life, your, well, your, your wherewithal and your well-being from a psychological perspective is very much diminished. That's the re'iyah of your soul, that awesome side of human beings. The same way God sustains the entire world. So to the neshama sustains your body. The same way God is pristine and pure, if we could say that word about him. So too, your portion of God is, so to speak, your neshama is as well. 
חדרי חדרים, אף נשמה יושבת בחדרי חדרים. So my God is shrouded in mystery, he's in that inner chamber, this room inside of a room. So to your נשמה, who understands the essence of our soul, every religion, every person to a certain extent, will talk about some level, which is high, higher level consciousness. Many will call it soul, others will call it something else. What is that? Can you pinpoint it? Of course, nobody can. It's Yoshevet Behadre Hadarim. Yavo, the conclusion is, David Kivyachov was saying, Let's take the part of me which has those five aspects similar to God, and that part of me, it should be the part of me. The, the essence of my being, my soul, which praises God. Me, myself, I have nothing to do with God. My chilek elokami ma'al can. Amar Rav Hamluna, my dichtiv, Rav Hamluna continues in our derashot. What does it mean when the pasuk says, Mi kehe hacham u'miyodea pesher davar? We're going to have a derasha about this pasuk in Kohelet. It's a reference to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Who, is li- who has his wisdom and knows pesher hadavan? Generally speaking, the peshat in that word pesher is the interpretation, but instead we're going to read it as the word peshara. Peshara means to make a compromise. Who's like God with that knowledge and compromising? How so? Says the Gemara, Mika Kadosh Baruchushi Odeala Asot Peshara Ben Shenesa Dikim. God, in his infinite wisdom and capability and understanding of humanity, was able to make peace or bring together two righteous people. What are you talking about? The Gemara will tell us a story. Ben Hizkiyahu Li Yeshayahu was the important and very uh, righteous king Hizkiyahu, and of course the famous prophet Navi, Yeshayahu. How so? Well, the circumstances as follows. We'll see it in the Gemara in a moment. Let me introduce it for a brief second or two. Uh, Hizkiyahu became sick. He became sick, and he had not uh, been married in a way that he was having children. And he didn't know why he was sick. And he needed Yeshayahu to explain to him, you need to fulfill Peru or Vu. But he wasn't coming in contact with Yeshayahu. And the Gemara will describe how both Yeshayahu and Chizkiyahu had a certain, maybe appropriate pride, in which they weren't going to go to the other. So how is God going to make uh, construct a scene wherein Yeshayahu speaks to Chizkiyahu and says, Hello, king, you're doing something wrong. Chizkiyahu won't go to Yeshayahu, Yeshayahu won't go to him. God in turn inflicts pain and suffering and, and, and a death penalty, a sickness upon Hezkiyahu, which forces Yeshayahu to go visit him, whereupon they have this conversation. Here's the story. On the one hand, Hezkiyahu says, I'm not going to the prophet, to Yeshayahu. He should come to me. After all, that's what you find with Eliyahu. Eliyahu, after three years of drought, God tells him, go to Ahav. The prophet goes to the king. They're both very important people. They're both people we need to have fear and awe of. And in that circumstance, clearly the prophet put himself down a little in order to go to the king. Yeshayahu, in contrast, said, Amar ben Ahav. The son of Ahav, in that situation, does al-gabeh, Elisha, uh, he himself went to Elisha, whereas Eliyahu went to Ahav, Yehoram went to Elisha. So each of them have a claim. The prophet should come to the king, the king should come to the prophet. Nobody's talking to one another on two sides of the highway without passing over. How did God solve this situation? He afflicted Hizkiyahu, and he in turn says to Yeshayahu, Listen, it's a mitzvah. 
go and uh, and visit the sick person. So now Yeshayahu, instead of going, you know, so to speak, to have a conversation or advice giving or something of that sort, he's fulfilling a mitzvah. Okay, now I'll go to him. As a result, So the statement of Yeshayahu, as we read, is that first and foremost, he goes and visits Hizkiyahu because he's deathly ill, and he says to him, you're going to die. But there's a redundant statement, you will die and not live. Say you're going to die. Say you're not going to live. Why the double uh, redundant statement? What did it mean when Yeshayahu said that to Hizkiyahu, the king? What does that mean? On the one hand, you're going to die. It's a twofold double death. Not only in this world, but you're losing your portion in the world to come. Now you have to know something, both in the eyes of the Hachamim, as well in the words of the Navi, almost explicitly, Hizkiyahu was a very righteous king. He brought Am Yisrael to Teshubah. He eradicated Abu Dazara for a period. Why is he losing life in this world and in the world to come? Amar In fact, says the Midrash in the Gemara here, asked Yeshayahu, what's this all about? Because he didn't procreate. You're not married. You're not having children. It's a mitzvah. Amale says, I'll explain that to you. Because it showed to me in prophecy, I saw prophetically at Ruach HaKodesh that I'm going to have children who are wicked and rotten children. That's why I have them. Says Yeshayahu back to him, what are you doing in the mysterious realm of God? You don't belong there, delving into the future, determining based on that. That which you're commanded to do, you should do. That which God sees fitting to perform, that's what he'll do. That's not your job to get into the mysterious. This is somewhat reminiscent of this week's parasha, where the Ruach HaKodesh, according to the Hachamim, twice, but specifically a second time, when Yaakov gathers his children and says, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the end of days. And then he never tells them that. Why so? What's the reason for that? Maybe it's the same idea. Uh, we looking into the future and therefore determining how to act, that's not what we do. We have Behira Hofshit. We look to be builders, to construct, as the Gemara said to us earlier. Amale says, Hizkiyahu, uh, message received. Lesson learned. But let's still try to manipulate this then. Havli birtach. Uh, can I please have your daughter? I'd like to get married to her, Yeshayahu. Maybe, Efshar, Digarma, Zechuta, Didi, Vedidach, Venafkem, Minai, Benin, Dema'alu. Maybe through being married to your daughter, your merit and my merit together will overcome and overwhelm that decree upon me that my children are going to be rotten children. Amale says, Yeshayahu, no, sir. There's already a decree from heaven. You can't change it. So it's not worth getting married to my daughter. Amar le ben Amos says Hiskiyahu teaching a lesson to Yeshayahu. Son of Amos is re- reprimanding him. End your prophecy and get out. In other words, you're speaking out of line. Now it's time for you to close your mouth. Your prophecy was one thing. Your message to me was clear. Now that you're telling me don't try to fix this, don't put in my hishtadlut with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with my, in, within my own life. I have a tradition from my, great, from my grandfather, from David HaMelech all the way up. 
Even if a, a, um, a, a sharp knife is on the neck of a person, there are seconds from death, a split second from death. Don't stop praying. Don't stop attempting. There's no such thing as despair. You want me to give in to destiny? No such thing, Yeshayahu. I'm going to put in my all. I'm going to try. I get it. I shouldn't be uh, stepping out of the scene, off the scene because of what I see in the future. But once I have that, I need to act as well as I can. It's Marnamen. Did we have a bit? We have a statement of the rabbis of Yohanan. Yov says, even if God is about to kill me, I will still be looking to him. I'll still be praying to him. Bach, Rabiyoel Sirkis on the left hand side of the page over here, adds in a little bit of a different addition that was part of this Gemara, for one reason or another, was taken out. It describes the descendants, those two sons of Hiskiyahu. So he gets married and he has children. What of those children? Well, says Bach here on the left hand side in Saif Katan, in, in the, the letter Beit. It says over here, Nafak um, mine There were two children, Menashe and Rav Shakeh, who were born to Hiskiyahu. Yomahada one day arkevinhu akatve. He was holding them on his shoulders. Midrasha to bring them to the midrash. He was going to go study. You study with them. Let them be a part of the scene. Amar Hadminay, one of the two sons says, Hazeresha de Abba galdane. One of them says, "My our father's head. And keep in mind they're on his shoulders. It's it's nice and wide. Maybe it's even a little shiny. If he was bald, I don't know. We could fry um fish on his head." Speaking very lowly about their our fathers bring us to the midrash. Nonsense. You know what type of father this is. You know what type of person this is. We should be frying fish on his head. The other one says, "Hadamar I I have better I plan for what our father's head is worthy to be do, doing with it. Why don't we sacrifice the Avodah Zarah on our father's head? Now, I don't think either one of them means it literally, but it's a way of speaking in a derogatory way about a person, about their father, looking at his head. Oh, what a yo-yo, he's a low life. We could use his head for much better things than Torah. He throws them down to the ground after hearing this. Menashe Haya, his son Menashe lives. Rav Shakeh, meet. And Rav Shakeh instead dies. Kari Anafshe from the throwing down, Hizkiyahu says about himself, Vikilai kelav ra'im, a pasuk in that a person who's very particular about the measurements of utensils, ultimately speaking, their own utensils might be rotten and bad. In other words, the description about himself, he says, I was trying so hard to overcome, to overwhelm and do this my way. He envisions the, uh, the circumstance as a result. As much as I tried hard, as much as I tried to make the cra- the, my craftsmanship in making these kelim in the proper fashion, even the craftsmen's kelim are ra'im, and that's his vision of, of how things do work out. It's a little bit depressing with regards to the uh, consequence and the outcome of Hezgiyahu, but the Gemara will go on on the next Amud uh, to describe things that Hezgiyahu does along the same lines in terms of his attempt to shift reality to manipulate and have people pray to God in the appropriate fashion instead of just giving in, succumbing to fate and destiny, where he did well and was even praised for it. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.